I understand that I need to balance and sometimes it skews one way or the other. Um, but this is, this is what makes me really happy. This is what I want to do. And I, and I won't be raising my kids in the fullest possible way unless I am doing this. I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm thrilled to sit down with Zaylene John Mohammed, Head of Partnership Development and Innovation at LA28, the Los Angeles Organizing Committee for the Olympic and Paralympic Games in 2028. Personally, there was never a question in my mind about whether I would continue to work outside the home after having kids. In fact, I actually waited to have kids because of my career. But many of my friends struggled with expectations from family that they should stop working once they had kids. Why is this something that society should decide for us? Why can't we have the agency and choice to decide for ourselves? In spite of pressure that Zaylene has faced from her family, she forges ahead to do what feels right for her and for her family. Zaylene was in second grade when she brought home a flyer for a local youth hockey league and asked her mom if she could play. No, but maybe it would be good for your little brother when he gets older. Zaylene wouldn't take no for an answer, and she snuck to the rink to skate anyway. Her determination paid off, and hockey and sports continue to play a major role in her life. But she still grapples with cultural expectations that conflict with the way she wants to live. Though her family would prefer that she stay home with her sons, Zaylene continues to do what feels right to her, even if she still has to remind her partner and her family that the juggle is worth it. I'm so glad that we are connecting. It's wonderful to have you here today. Yeah, it's so great to be here. I'm excited. I've taken the opportunity to listen to a few podcasts now, and I was like, this is awesome. I need this. This is great. So uh, I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm I'm so glad to, to hear that. And I have just been reading a little bit about your story and your background, and it's absolutely incredible. Your current role, I mean, as head of partnership development and innovation at U.S. Olympic and Paralympic properties. First, what what does that mean? Such a good question. I'm surprised you could even rattle that off. But um, so let's let's just start with what U.S. Olympic and Paralympic properties is, and then I can talk about my role. So you know, for the first time in about 30 years, the U.S. is going to host a summer Olympic and Paralympic Games. And that's going to be in L.A. in 2028. And when that happens, when an Olympic and Paralympic Games comes to a country, uh, they they basically merge the the organizing committee, so the L.A. piece, with Team USA to... to, um, and put those things together, which is where those pro- that property group comes in. So my job is actually to think about the 
the commercial aspect. So, so building revenue for Team USA and building revenue for LA28. That's, I sit on the commercial team in that properties group. Um, so the partnership development and innovation role within that is actually a really uh, new role with the properties group and, and, and really unique. Uh, and basically, partnership development and innovation is kind of fancy for strategy. And my job is to think about how to do things differently for Team USA and mm-hmm. what we provide the athletes and then for our partners and how we give them something different than what traditional sponsorship tends to look like. And so I sit in front of a whiteboard, as you see behind me, all day. You know, I do a lot of thinking about like, you know, starting sentences with like, what if we could do this? That's how I start, you know, most meetings of my day. Um, It's how I kind of close my day is thinking through like, what if, what if this was possible? And if that's possible, how could we get that done? Uh, It's, there's a lot of pressure in the job because we want to be transformative as an organization uh, and, and deliver to all of our stakeholders things that they've never seen before. Uh, And so it stretches my brain a lot, but I love it. I, I like, I think I'm just naturally a person who likes being in the gray a little bit and not having black and white answers all the time. Um, and, you know, putting puzzle pieces together that just, it's something that I've grown into over the length of my career and really, really love when someone's like, I don't really know how to do that. And I'm like, me neither, but I'm going to try and figure it out. And so I finally feel like I'm at a place in my career where I found a job and they actually found me, but that fits me really, really well. And you shared how they found you. What was your journey leading up to this moment? Yeah, it's a crazy journey. I am born and raised Canadian. I and I'm Indian. Uh, my parents are actually both from East Africa. My grandparents and great grandparents are Indian by origin. Uh, and so there's, you know, Bridget, there's so much there to unpack. I think, you know, first of all, if you would ask my parents or grandparents, I think they had a very different vision for who I was going to become when I grew up and, and very cultural and very traditional. Um, and then if you talk to my Canadian self, when I was growing up, I thought I was going to be an ice hockey player. That's just what I, that's what Canadians do. That was, I was like, I'm going to play hockey. That's, that is my road. And, you know, I got a little bit older and I realized that maybe I wasn't as good of a hockey player as I thought I could, I wish I was. And, but I, but I had this inherent passion for sport and I knew that that's what drove me and what I loved. And I knew that I wanted to work in it. And so when I started my career in college, uh, I actually started on the science side of sports. So I was in athletic training and in strength and conditioning. And I worked with a lot of teams um, and entities in, in Vancouver where I, where I was born. And I met my now husband, then boyfriend, and he was like, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I'm like, I'm doing it. This is, I'm happy. This is great. And he's like, I, like, if you really love sport, I actually think there's a different, there, there can be a different path for you if you want it. And so I found this whole business side of sport, you know, went and did my graduate degree um, at UMass Amherst. And I feel like, I feel like that program and that school gave me the keys to the rest of my life. I um, went from there to work at Major League Soccer in a, you know, a commercial role. I left there to work at a sports marketing agency. 
Um, from there, I went to Visa and I spent six years there, which, you know, really formative years of my career. My now boss, one day, he just he called me and he's like, let's meet for a cup of coffee. And he outlined his vision and kind of looked at me and said, I think you should come over. It felt like the right job at the right time with the right people for the life I wanted to lead at that time. And that's where kind of life and work came together because it'll also allow me to be at home and work from home more uh, and be around the boys. It didn't take me long to say yes. My mom tells me this a lot. She goes, you know, things will happen for the right reasons in the time they're supposed to happen. And it, and that was one of those times. How old are your boys now? So nine and a half, almost 10. Uh, so in fourth grade, which is Aiden, and then Isan is uh, in second grade and seven years old. If you think back, where were you working when you had each of them? I was at Visa for both kids. We uh, this will sound really familiar to people who work in the Olympic or sports world. They're both Olympic babies, and what I mean by that is. You know, people who either are athletes or work in the Olympic Games, typically nine or 10 months after an Olympic Games, you see a lot of babies born. Mine was one of them. So Aiden was born 11 months after the Vancouver, 10 months after the Vancouver 2010 Olympic Games. And then Isan was born uh, after the London Olympic Games, probably right around nine or 10 months. And so I was at the same company both times. And, and actually, probably I'm in my job today because of what happened at Visa when I had my second. When I had Isan and realized that I couldn't travel as much anymore and didn't want to, uh, my boss at that time, who was amazing, said to me, you know, because I was in a role prior to that that required a lot of travel. I was traveling to all of the different Olympic host cities often. And he said, I have a new role for you and I want you to take on this role that required a lot of strategy and thinking and analysis and ideation and working with different teams internally, but less travel. And I remember looking at him and going like, I don't, are you sure? Like, I don't know if I can do that job. It feels so different from the execution mm -hmm. part that I was doing before. It's like, I think you can, I think you actually have the chops to do this and why don't we give it a shot? And Bridget, it was the best thing I ever did. I, I have this job today because of, my boss then, um, and for me taking that step and actually trying it, I'm, I'm good at it. Didn't know that I'd be good at it. Didn't know I had a skill set for it, uh, and um, and basically do that job every day at, a, at a, you know on a different at a different level in a different capacity. But it, a lot of the basic pieces are the same. Wow! It sounds like you had somebody who saw something in you before you even saw it yourself. Um, and at the time, you had a lot of change happening. How did you adapt to a new role and being a second time mom? That was a really, really hard, tough part of my life. I, with Isan, had um, a very significant postpartum depression. Um, never happened with Aiden. You know, it was a very different delivery and very different reaction from the delivery. It actually took me a year um, to get through that piece. Um, and I really struggled, you know, the, and 
you know, postpartum for me wasn't, I wasn't depressed per se. I was very anxious. And the anxiety came from knowing how much I identified with my job and how much it, it made me feel like the person I am and what I loved. And then looking at two young kids and going like, what, what am I doing? How did, like, how does this all fit together? I don't know how to make this work. And I had a lot of anxiety. I just, I couldn't sleep. I had terrible insomnia. I wasn't eating, uh, but I had to do all the things that a new mom had, you know, has to do and kind of juggle. I actually ended up going back to work sooner. So I had, um, I think four months, maybe a little longer than I had planned to take maternity leave. I went back at close to three months and um, ne- I did that, I think, because I needed some normalcy, consistency, repetitiveness in my life that just felt like it was me. And, um, and when I got back and had this kind of new role to walk into, it actually gave me something um, to look forward to that was different, that I was like, man, I can use my brain and tackle something that feels a little bit different and wrap my arms around it and, and figure it out. That wasn't just about what time am I going to get home and feed Isan or make sure that I'm doing all the things as a mom. I loved all of that. You know, it was, I, I just needed something different and more to, to diversify my own thinking. Um, and so it actually, I think it helped my peer group around me at work was patient, loved me. Um, we had a really great setting at work um, in order to allow for this to happen. Interestingly, and I, there was a couple of women who were also moms um, who could tell that I was struggling a little bit. And I think them um, opening up and saying, hey, listen, like you're going to get through this. I've been there. I know exactly what you're going through. I've been there. Um, you know, we're here for you. That helped. Um, my mom and dad came from Vancouver and spent a lot of time with me. My in-laws came, you know, they kind of split up time. And I think between, you know, it was kind of a, let's all pull together and get through this. Um, and, and it was a community that kind of just helped me get through that. You know, postpartum is not something that is talked about a lot. And, it, and it's especially not talked about if you are, if you are Indian, you just don't, you know, you don't talk about things that are bothering you as the mom. You talk about your child and you talk about how you're going to, you know, make it all work as a mom. And so, you know, very initially, I think it was hard for both my mother-in-law and my mom to hear that I was going through this. It was probably really hard for my husband as well. Um, but I think once, you know, they realized that this was just really tough on me, we all kind of just banded together and was like, okay, we got this. We're going to get through it. It took a long time, but we got through it. Were there any moments that you can remember that really helped you get through it? Um, I started seeing a therapist for the first time in my life, probably a couple months in when I was like, just looking for help. Um, and my, our, the kid's pediatrician and my OB both recommended that I see one. And I was like, I don't know. I've never done that, but I don't need it. Man, Bridget, I did it. It was the best thing I could have done. It not only allowed me a little bit of an outlet and just time away to focus on myself, but the things that we talked about during those sessions made me realize that I was telling myself a story or putting myself in a place that maybe get, was just too much pressure on what I was mm-hmm. expecting out of myself. That was 
game changing for me. Um, and I know that I had a lot of really great moments during those sessions. Um, the other was just time. Like, you know, the thing with kids, right, is that it's really hard at the beginning. It's always hard. You know, the conversations I have today with the older, you know, now that they're older are different. They're still hard. They're different. Um, but they, you know, the difference between a one or two month old and a six month old is drastic. And so as I was going through this and they were getting older and the older one was getting older and they were suddenly like, we could see some progress. Mm-hmm. It just, it just helped. I think one of the things that happened that I wasn't expecting with the second is that my first, my older one regressed. So the, so the, the newborn was actually a, he was a great kid. He nursed really well. He was quiet. You know, we, we, and we knew what we were doing. So he was awesome. Mm-hmm. The older one went backwards. Like he was potty trained and went backwards. He was jealous and he needed my time. And I hadn't prepared myself for that, for that regression, which I think is what actually set me back. It was like, oh, I'd already, you had already made it past this stage. Why are you going backwards? I have to deal with this one now. So there was just a lot of learning and it, and it helped just time, time helped. But in that particular time going just today, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to get myself through the day. I'm going to make sure the kids are fed and healthy and happy as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to be a good partner. And that's it for today. That's all I'm doing. And then I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to try to have a really good night's rest and I'm going to do it again. I had to take it day by day. It was when I was thinking too much in the future that the anxiety would actually get worse. And so that was actually a really big learning for me is that I'm just going to take it one day at a time and do the best I can in that day. And then tomorrow I will try again. Do you think that being an athlete yourself has impacted those early days of motherhood or impacted your motherhood today? I think so. There is a drive when you're an athlete to constantly try and get a little bit better and get a little bit better and get a little bit better. And so that focus and that approach, I think, has really helped. I also, you know, when I was in my early 20s, had a really bad injury with my knee and, you know, it resulted in four different Mm -hmm. surgeries and I couldn't play for a little bit of time and that had, I was depressed at that point in my life as well. Cause it was such a big part of my life. I remember a time, you know, during that surgery, th- during all of those surgeries where my mom was like washing my hair in the sink and I was 22 or 23 years old. Like you don't want your mom washing, you don't want your mom to be doing stuff like that. And I was in a really tough state. I, that experience prepped me for what happened later on in my life because I already knew how to recognize some of those feelings. I Mm. knew that I got through it, that I could get through it again, that this, you know, that might've been a physical injury, but had mental, um, you know, consequences, or there was a mental piece of it. This was the same. Um, And so that actually really prepared me for just allowing me to get through it. And the, by the way, the time to get through those four surgeries and the time to get through the postpartum was basically the same. It was about a year, both times. And so it gives you kind of that perspective of like, hey, I've done this before. It's mm-hmm. a little bit different, but I've done this before. I read in an interview that you had an interesting start to your hockey career. Can you share a little bit about that experience and having to hide this really passionate part of yourself? When that movie, um, Bend It Like Beckham, was made, it became my favorite movie because it was almost an exact replica of what happened in my life different sport, but you know, 
there is, and, and I think this is getting a little bit better, you know, with time and generations of, of women who are, who are Indian and women just in general, but there is definitely a perception of women in the Indian community being a certain type of way and having a certain type of role. You know, my, I, I was lucky. My mom worked when we were kids. And so I saw that as normal, um, you know, but my, my mother-in-law did it. And so my husband's perception of what would happen when I became a mom was, was different than mine. Um, but that experience, right. When I was growing up, I, I remember coming home from first grade and, um, you know, in Vancouver in first grade in Canada, in the early parts of school, you usually come home with a flyer about the local hockey association. So I came home and I gave my mom this flyer and I was like, mom, they're having hockey signups for ice hockey. I want to play. And she kind of looked at me and she took the flyer and she read it. And then she looked at my brother who was four ish. And she's like, this is good. We're going to sign your brother up for hockey and you know, we'll figure out what you're doing. And I was like, wait, that, I didn't say anything. I, you know, you just didn't say anything. I was like, that's not in my, you know, it's not fair. I felt that in, in my heart, but I didn't say anything at all. And what ended up happening is after schools, I would go and find a way to play. Sometimes that would be ice hockey. More often it was like floor hockey because it was easier to kind of access. And, you know, my mom was working. And so she picked me up at five and I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't say anything to her. I don't think she knew. She's, she would have told me hopefully by now she did. And, um, and it went on like that for years. And all of a sudden, you know, when I was kind of in my, you know, in the nine, 10, 11 year old age range, I was pretty good. I was a pretty good hockey player at that point in time. And, and it didn't go away from me. Like I kept pushing at that. Like when I finally found my voice, I was like, mom, like, this is something I really, really want to do. And so at some point it changed with her. She was like, okay, she's not gonna, she's not gonna stop her mindset. She'd only, you know, their first generation Canadian, she started seeing other girls playing and that it was kind of normalized in her head as well. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is East Africa, or this is not what an Indian girl is supposed to be. So I think they came to terms with it. And it, and it turned. So by the time I was in high school, I was playing, but in the, in the initial stages, I would hide my gear, hide the fact that I was playing, um, and do it, um, just because it made me really happy. I just, I found myself as a person when I was doing those types of things. And it sounds like then at a very young age, you had to learn to advocate and really speak up for yourself and what you wanted and what you needed to be happy being honest with you, Bridget, if I didn't say that I'm still working on that, like there are still times that more often than I would have hoped by, you know, by this age in my life where I still have to remind myself to advocate for myself. And that might be at work where I believe in something really passionately, but there's louder opinions in the room, male or female. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I should say anything. Um, Or at home when I'm like, guys, I have three boys in my house right now. You know, I can go really easily into the frame of mind where I'm like, I'm just the mom and my, my job is to service and serve and make sure everybody else in the house is happy. That's not sustainable. And so there's, you know, I'll notice myself getting crankier and I'm like, oh, wait, hold on a second. I haven't taken care of myself. I need to go out for a ride. I need to go see my girlfriends. I need a walk. 
whatever that ends up being and, and finding my voice to say that I still lose it at times. Do you also find that there are continued expectations of you? I think so. You know, my husband will kill me if he listens to this podcast, but I think he would not complain if I ended up quitting my job and made home and the kids my, my sole focus and priority because that's what he grew up with. And I think that's what he's used to. I think he does it not maliciously, but thinking about what's best for the kids. And that's, um, and he knows the relationship I have with the boys. And I I think he thinks that that would just do um, very good things for for them. Mm -hmm. So I think there are expectations. um, And he's just one example. I think my, my parents and family would also be like, Hey, like make sure like, in all of these great, amazing things you're doing at work that make you really happy, don't forget this side of your life. And, 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 it's, and it's accurate and they're, and they're right. Um, I think sometimes what I have to tell them is, you know, in the case of my husband, for example, like two things I tell him. Number one, you saw in me when we were dating what made me really happy and pushed me to go and figure that piece of my life out. And now I'm really happy and, and really good at it. And so just remember like how this all happened and, and the fact that this is a part of who I am. That's number one. Number two is I'm raising two Indian boys who one day will be out, you know, marrying a girl or a guy of their choice. I want for them to know that it is okay for their partner to be doing something that they love. That could be being at home, taking care of children, starting their own business. It could also be working a full-time job. And it's on me to teach them that because that's my responsibility to my children. So usually when I say one of those two things, he's like, okay, you're right. I got it. Um, and he, and he's okay. Um, and with my, with my family and my parents and my in-laws, like it's the same conversation. It is like, I understand that I need to balance and sometimes it skews one way or the other. Um, but this is, this is what makes me really happy. This is what I want to do. And I, and I won't be raising my kids in the fullest possible way, unless I am doing this. I've heard that you are not only an advocate for yourself, what I've learned from our conversation, but that you're also really an advocate for diversity and inclusion. You're also an advocate for helping, you know, women helping other women as well. What does that look like and how does it factor into your day-to-day life? Yeah, it's something I think about every day. And I feel I feel that I have a responsibility um, on two fronts. Being a woman in the sports industry, which still is an industry that there's a there's a long way to go to have women in senior positions. Um, and then being and then being an Indian woman is the second responsibility, right? And so there's two kind of battles or swim lanes that I'm trying to progress um, because I, I owe it to the people that follow me to make sure it isn't as hard for them or there are not as many barriers, physical, mental, or otherwise, that allow them to get to this place. And so there's things that I work on every day. I have a core group of women um, that are at the same stage of their careers as I am. And we talk about it really frequently of like, you know, what are the, what do women in their early stages of their career in this industry need in order to succeed versus what, what do women in the later stages, even in my, at the stage I'm in, 
what do we need? And they're very different. And how do we actually start to talk about those things and program for those things? I actually am right at the beginning stages of starting a women in sports marketing graduate level course at UMass. Now that I'm in this stage of my career, like I, I owe it back to the industry to do that. Um, it sounds like you're really focused on paying it forward and taking everything that you've learned and passing it on to the generation of women who are following in your footsteps, so to speak. Yeah, it's the part that's actually really exciting for me because um, it, it gives me kind of future forward focus, right? Like what can be possible in the next 10 to 20 years? If you think of helping women and moms specifically, what have you learned through your experience and what would your advice be to your pre-mom self? Man, I was so innocent. I was just so innocent back then. I, I knew that I wanted to have children and that it was such a big piece of my heart to have a family but I had no idea what that actually meant um, at that point in time. I think what I would tell myself um, is, is two things. Number one is to be true to who you are, right? Don't um, feel like you have to change the way you are as a person or meet all of the other expectations of moms or working moms or working people. Um, and of what society kind of puts out there as like the, the parameters to hit. You know, I, I tried that. I tried changing who I was as a person. It didn't fit me. It wasn't who I was. And so really understand like, what is it that drives you? What is it that you're passionate about? What do you want in your life? Like, how do you wake up every day? And, and that's what you strive to achieve. Um, and then number two, I would tell you to be patient. I would tell her to be patient. It's just not going to happen right away. And you have to give yourself a little bit of time um, to make it through, to, to allow yourself to think through it day by day by day versus like, I want to get to that place six months from now. And the fact that I'm not there today is giving me a lot of anxiety. So just, you know, I think when you're young in your career, whether you're a mom or not, or thinking about being a mom or not, you are so impatient to get to that next step. Mm -hmm. You're just like, I want to get there. I want to get to that next plateau, whatever that ends up being. You miss all of the things that are happening around you. You could, you know, that, that could be a really interesting learning opportunity. That could be a hike that you should have gone on with your friends. Could have been a time where you should be sitting with your, with your family and having a really great conversation because you're like, I'm going to just do this one thing because it's going to help me get to that next thing. It's not, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And I actually today have a really great boss who reminds me of that every single day. It's like, because the hard part now is like, I, Bridget, I actually have a great job. It's a very visible job. It's a very high profile job. I, when I started my career, if you had told me that I was going to get this job 20 years ago, I would have laughed. I'd be like, there's no way. It's just because I didn't know what was possible. And he tells me now, and he's a dad, um, and he has two kids that are in high school. And, and he says, I know that you work very, very hard every day to get the things that need to be get done, done, but also to continue to prove yourself. You've proved yourself to me. You don't have to, you don't have to do a second shift at night for a couple hours just to kind of make sure that you know, that I know that you're doing this. I know, don't do that. 
go spend time with your kids. Just take a minute for yourself. Um, and that's not, you know, that doesn't happen all the time. I, I, I get that reminder quite a bit from him. I feel pretty fortunate. Well, thank you so much for being on Work Like a Mother. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom and your story. It's really, really inspiring. I appreciate you joining us. I'm so excited to be here and I commend you for doing this because um, I think there, myself included, there's a lot of moms who just need that affirmation um, and advice as they go through this. It's, it's really commendable. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Garsh, and this is Work Like a Mother. I'm excited to share another amazing Working Mama story with you next week. But before I go, I have a quick favor to ask. Please help us spread the word by giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way for more working moms to discover our show. Thanks, and have a great week.